Hello, welcome back to another Game People podcast. Each week we take a collection of writers from the website and look at a particular video game. This week we're going to be looking at Demon's Souls. Come and join the gang of reviewing artisans. See it from every angle. My name's Paul Govan and I look after the Family Gamer section on the website. And today I'm joined by John Seddon, Alex Beach and Sinan Kubba. So I've got with me a variety of different writers from the website and we're going to be looking at Demon Souls. Before we get started, well, I'm going to get each of them to introduce themselves. John. Hi, I'm John Seddon. I write a dress-up gamer column. Um, I'm interested in the role you play within games, and I think Demon's Soul gave me a hell of a role to play. And Sinan, how about you? My name is Sinan Kuba. I write the returning gamer column over at gamepeople.co.uk, and I look at games from the perspective of someone who's come back to them later in life. And Alex. I'm Alex Beach, and I write the scared gamer column for Game People, and I look at horror games and fear in places you might not expect them. But before we get into our own individual experiences of Demon's Souls, how would you describe it to somebody who hadn't played it before? Uh, I, I guess it's um, a, a dungeon crawler in many respects. It actually takes a lot from a fairly old genre of game called roguelikes, which basically throw you into dungeons over and over again uh, with the express purpose of getting uh, more powerful by just continually playing and carrying that experience through on your characters. Um, this is a little different from roguelikes in the sense that it doesn't randomly generate dungeons each time. Every time you go into an area, it's showing you the same thing. Yeah, the enemies are always in the same place. Basically, you're a knight going through castles and valleys and various other areas, killing zombies and the like. So it's sort of an adventure game, is it? Not really an adventure... Well, I guess it's got an adventure game trope. If I could butt in, I mean, it, it, it has a control scheme and perspective of a Zelda. So, you know, you, you're kind of using sword combat and, and or, you know, melee combat and magic to get through, and you're playing from behind him, so it's kind of like the, the 3D Zeldas in that respect. But but like Alex says, it's it's not as as simple as a Zelda. It's It's got so much, uh, so many nuances to it, and uh, especially in terms of how you get stronger and stronger, and I think that's what makes it such an individual game. Is it about improving your character as you go, or is it about equipment? A bit of column A, a bit of column B. Uh, I think it's mostly about improving your your character by you know defeating as many enemies as you as you go along. But at the same time, uh, once you get certain pieces of armor, it, it really helps you a lot. So, and and then there's magic as well, and then there are other things on top of that. So, you know, we could go on and on for all the different ways you can improve yourself and get stronger at the game. And John, how about headlines in terms of what would make someone play Demon Souls as opposed to a Zelda? Uh, it's a very adult game, so compared to Zelda, it, it kind of looks like it's a third-person action game, um, and it's extremely, extremely difficult. Uh, it really punishes um, you as you as you play through, and I think you know the thing that keeps you coming back is just this atmosphere that is both oppressive and actually takes you into its world. 
you feel like you're chipping away at it each time so every time you learn something every time you get a little bit stronger it, it's it's just that you know continued progression and, and that's why I think people carry on playing it past the first you know five minutes it's got a real carrot and a stick uh, thing going on in that respect you are always progressing it is little bit by little bit it's it's an RPG that you're constantly moving forward in. I think it, we hadn't really mentioned that it, there's a lot of RPG elements in there. Cool. Well, I can't wait to hear what you guys made of it in detail. But before we do, we'll just take a quick musical break. our demon souls guide in a nutshell but as you can tell there's plenty to dig into i think what john was saying about the the atmosphere is is really important and with demon souls with a lot of games in this generation you hear a lot of people saying oh, it's, it's too gray it's too uh colorless and demon souls is really very gray and very colorless that actually works to its strengths it's it's a really morose sort of dank somber world that you're going through it it feels like everyone's drained of all enthusiasm to to really survive even in this world and uh it, it can feel very overwhelming just in terms of its difficulty in terms of its world of this this feeling like you're going to be got eventually it's only a matter of time until you die i think it makes for a really unique and like john said again absorbing world in a strange way it's strange how it's really sad as a world but you you feel drawn in at the same time the whole progression is basically you go into the world, you collect some souls, and then either you escape or you die and you go back to the hub world. But either way, you're getting kicked back to this hub world. And you're collecting people's souls as you go. So the souls are the, really the only thing with colour in the world. And that and the messages left by other ghostly forms of other players around the place. So apart from that, it is very dark. But when they do use colour, they use it incredibly effectively to both draw your eye and to just it almost adds a little bit of hope because you it, it really is always your goal when you see that light somewhere to head for it yeah i was reading um amber's review on demon souls and something she was saying is that it's such a harsh experience but a very sort of honest and direct one and whereas some games will sort of pussyfoot around she was saying um trying not to offend the player and making sure that it looks after them this was a much more grown-up experience that expected the player to to cope with whatever was thrown at him and i like that idea i like that there's this sort of almost like a hard master that um you know you have to deal with yeah as a grown-up picking up on that it's it's one of those ones where you you will die a lot but you always well i always felt anyway that it was my own fault i'd i'd sort of overreached myself or you know i i tried tried to do something that i shouldn't have done or you know i never you know i never felt that oh the controls let me down or you know it's just a bad game you knew that you were taking the risk and what the outcome might be and so even though you you might have just lost an hour 
of your life because you know that that's part that's part of you know how the game works that you you go into the dungeon you you collect these souls to allow yourself to level up to give you a better chance of of progression and if you don't make it back to the hub with those souls then they're all taken from you so if you die those souls are taken from you and you start back exactly where you were you know an hour earlier but even though that happened and that happened on a regular basis you know it was really part of the game and really well part of the joy of actually going well I've just got back with a thousand souls and you know you I'd I'd end up just doing forays into the dungeon collect some get out again and it really sort of changed the way you, you you played it but you know that was all part of I think what it was doing and it it would punish you but then you sort of learnt its rules and that you know you never felt there was a bad game but was there ever a moment where you this felt like this is too much that you know I'm, I, it's, it's asking too much of me I'm just going to stop playing or Ooh, was it me, me. Getting... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. I <got> this. <laughs> it, it, this is correct because I wasn't using a guide I bought I imported the American one I didn't have the manual um the guidebook that came with the edition that came out in Europe and um, there's a lot in there there's a lot that isn't explained by the game itself and you slowly learn a little too slowly in my opinion and the thing is the grind that they put you through as you enter the world is the same every time you go in enemies are in the same place and there's no there's nothing inventive eventually it really does just become going through the motions and going back into the same place and in one of the worlds, I eventually found a couple of fairly skill enemies if you went through it in the right motion. They got you a high number of experience points. And I found myself running into this room, dropping down the back, killing the main boss, going on, killing two more knights, and then going back out and repeating this process for hours at a time. Because by the time, the point I was at in the game, they were giving me a lot of souls, but I had to get so many to get to the next level. And there was no way I was progressing in the game without going up another level. And did you mind that? It sounds like I mean, you obviously went through that process and succeeded. Um, I went through it for an hour or two. Yeah. Or, okay, I went through it about four times. So four times for an hour. So I played that for about four hours. And I think eventually I leveled up two levels. But after that, I, I still didn't feel like I was making progress. And occasionally the knights were on a pretty risky little area to run into and they'd kill me and I just got more and more frustrated until the point that I just kind of gave up on the whole thing. Yeah, and <laughs> so that, as much as I enjoyed the punishment for a point. Yeah. Hmm? There's a balance, isn't there, of a game that mm. is tough but um but accessible to one that maybe isn't and it's none of the worse for it, but is sort of tough and unrelenting. So there'll be a whole chunk of players I imagine. Um and maybe players like me with my family getting my hat on who just you know the amount of time and investment you need for Demon, so Demon Souls just sort of rules it out which is a shame in a way well, well having said that it came out in Europe it's come out in Europe with the strategy guide uh, which is how I got it I got it with the strategy guide mm -hmm. and <laughs> you know, so, sorry for being late to the party <laughs> but you know um, I, I, I would argue as kind of what Alex is, is kind of demonstrated in many ways that the strategy guide for Demon Souls is a bit of a manual it, it, I think without it the game is not quite impossible, but it's it's edging towards it. There are certain things that you need to know to really progress in that game. This plays into a very Japanese thing, and I'm going to say this living in Japan, as I do. Um, there is something of a trend here where games like this are released specifically for people to buy the manual alongside it. RPGs come out and like a four, five hundred page manual will be next to it on shelves day of release. Um, and it's 
pretty much expected to buy them. It's why there were so many levels of things to think of games like Final, the Final Fantasies. It's in there to drive sales of the manual as well. And it, it's exemplified, in fact, by in Japan, they had a TV show where they sat down two comedians in front of Demon Souls and made them play it. And the one person was literally like the navigator, reading out what the other guy was meant to do as he died repeatedly over and over again. <laughs> and this took up half an hour oh, wow. of TV. Yeah it's very much a cultural expectation that that's the way to play a game and it's very strange to see that brought over to the west unlike rpgs it's not like there is another way through the game there's a way where you don't get everything you have to know what's going on to make it through levels of the game it feels like that to me makes the experience sound quite linear that this oh, guy is taking you through one it direction linear at all in any way mm-hmm. shape or form you've got so much freedom to choose which worlds you go which order you go through and, and how you play through the game and even the strategy then the strategy guide itself says you know you can you don't have to follow this religiously there are ways to do it and I, and to kind of give it some perspective about like the difficulty that's the first strategy guide i've ever bought and used for for any game you know and alex mentioned all the final fantasies there I, i've never had a problem with any final fantasy of getting from start to the finish and completing them without any help whatsoever i, I hardly ever use game facts i was using this strategy guide every single step of the way of demon souls um so that i mean did you we're go not in with that intention this game is difficult. did i go in with that intention um, no. Yeah, did you go in with, or was uh, it something you learned that I, I'm going to need this strategy guide? Okay, it's open well, now. When, when, when asked, uh, you know, what that question about when when did you think this is it? That was me in my first hour with the game, thinking, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> that's it, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to play this game again. And then I, I looked at the strategy guide, oh, right, that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, and that's pretty much exactly the same routine I went through until the end of the game. Yeah, it's interesting. And Amber talks about in her review how that she had friends who were playing it. So before she even played the game, she spent quite a few hours just watching how her friends were, were progressing and sort of working out how to grind to different places to get the souls she needed. I think it seems like she had a really positive experience of the game, but came to it sort of ready prepared. There are places that are just straight up broken in the game, though, where you go and you farm by cheating the AI routines. Because there's a st- right at the start of the game, this is where I got my first breakthrough and started to enjoy it a bit more because my overall experience was a bit up and down. But the start of the game, you, you're in this one area, and well, not the start, but soon after the start of the game, you're in this one area, and you're going through the same area, you're dying, or you're escaping, getting yourselves and leveling up. And you don't quite know where you're going, and if you take a wrong turn, you're going to die because characters are too powerful for you. So you're on this very rote path, and it's a little linear, or at the very least it's repetitive. You have a lot of choice in which parts of linearity you play at any time, but when you're going from A to B, it's a very, enemies are in the same place, they do the same thing every time you go in. The first time I go up this flight of stairs and I come across this great big blue knight who kills me every time, and eventually I work out, if I run away and get into the stairwell, he drops down the stairs in the middle and I get all the souls from his death. <laughs> so I spend the whole time running this stairwell and making him fall down because it's the only way I can find to level up effectively. I'm pretty sure that's in the strategy guide, or at least it's in a lot of the things that I read online when I started to look for advice. It is in the strategy guide. It is. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. There's a lot of exploits in the strategy guide. One of the bosses, for example, I think is a a big spider boss, which is in the bottom of this valley. And uh, if you try to take it, in any kind of heads-on way, you'll get killed. But if you find one little vantage point, it's about sort of a millimetre wide, where you, you just shoot arrows or magic at it repeatedly, it won't attack back, and you just kill it and finish it off. And the strategy guide outlines that to a T. 
Um, I think you know, I think ten years ago or twenty years ago, we we, we wouldn't have battered so much as an eyelid at this game, actually. Yeah, we've talked there a lot about the um, the mechanics of the game. I'm really interested to hear more about atmosphere. And so, I mean, can I bring you back in, John, and to talk about you know how how it feels in terms of role playing this particular character? Yeah, so I um, used some of the on because it had it has got lots of online bits to it, and I used some of some of that um, because as you, as you go through the game, you'll see you'll see blood patches um, around, and if you click on a blood patch it will show you the last moments of another player so mm. you know so you might see another player sort of go around the corner and get attacked by you know a powerful creature and and die so you might think well I I'm not going to do that or you know you might ignore it so so there's, there's that there's that aspect of it which I guess is coming um, from their servers and then there's there's you can leave messages around the world um, and it's quite it's quite limited to what you can say in the message but you could say um, for example there's there's a section where you're running across a causeway and there's a there's a dragon that breathes fire and if you run out onto the causeway it'll breathe fire you'll die um, but if you time it just right you can just about get across between these breaths of flame there's there's always in this spot someone's written a message that said it's safe to stand here basically and it sort of like gives you that hint and then you can you can like rate the messages and so you can say, yeah, yeah you know, that, that was a good message or no, that didn't help me at all. And so there's, there's those aspects of the online play. And I, I hadn't seen those before in a game. And I, is it because of um, it was written by a Japanese developer and their sort of like experience of online play is very different to ours? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps Alex They're could Korean. Like, <laughs> right. I think that, but yes, it's a very different. It's a very different online world out here, uh, and a very polite one, which I think is why people don't mind that they don't talk. A courtesy <laughs> to the game, the way to play, and it, I think that's something that's put across in the message. Like I doubt you get in Japan as many of the griefing messages, like the ones that just say, <laughs> "Look out behind you" as you're reading the message, and some guy comes up and knifes you in the back. <laughs> Like well, thanks. It could have done without the distraction. Yeah. But the interesting thing about the messages is that you know by putting down the courteous messages, if you get good ratings, it actually helps your character. You get experience and health boosts from it. So it all kind of plays around in a big circle. Yeah, I see. And but how does that how does that affect your, the experience of playing this character? It's creating a world of other voices for you to interact in. Is that is that how it plays out? I think it's quite weird because it's it's so there's there's some story going on and you know regardless of what it actually is you you play a character and the objective is to get from one end of a dungeon to another but um i i kind of i kind of like i kind of like that because um the i guess it's partly built up by the music soundtrack it's partly built up by these by these messages that you get it you kind of just imagine in this world where you know you are just Whatever they they can be, whatever they can be, you know, the Knights of Nin, or they can be, <laughs> you know, some some other sort of like magical world. And I kind of just like those worlds where you create your own sort of setting for it. And I kind of imagined this sort of collective struggle because I, I think because you're playing the part of it, essentially a spectre. You know, most of the time anyway, you're dead and you're a spirit rather than a, a real person. Um, you're just one of the sort of many spirits that's trying to sort of like work out a way to get to the to the finish of the, of this game, and you're all trying to help one another. And you know that's that's kind of what I took from that, and I really in, 
really enjoyed that. It's bizarrely lonely, actually. I mean, that was one of the things that I really noticed, as, uh, coming from the scared aspect, is that it's even with the people in the world, they they can't provide some comfort in the sense you know somebody else there is having as hellish a time as you are trying to progress with the game. But it's really a cold. It's a cold friendship. Mm-hmm. Their presence isn't helpful. It's just just reassuring to know you're not alone, but you are. It's a very bizarre. Yeah, as well as almost like me sort of me imagining my own world to play my games in, almost uh, as if you're in a post-apocalyptic world, and you know you 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 get up each morning thinking that you're the only, the last person left alive, except you know you 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 stumble across a, a dwelling, and you know there's evidence that someone's been living there recently, and it just gives you that little bit of heart, but ultimately you've not met a nice person and had a cup of tea and you know carried on so is that, I think there's, there's that there's that bit of it as well where yeah I totally agree that you are completely alone but you're just taking comfort in these small sort of crumbs of civilization. and it reminds me a bit of um, Inception where you, you sort of got this shared dream space where some some people are there as visitors and there's obviously then you actually playing through it as the sort of the owner of the dream and I quite like that. I quite like there's a sort of looseness to who owns the space because they've let these other messages and players have an effect on it. What I haven't done though is what is actually because you can actually go into other people's games and have people come into your games. So I'm sort of interested to hear other people's experiences of, of doing that and what effect that's had. Yeah, there's that, and there's also the, the tendencies um, aspect of the game, which affects how it plays over time. Because both of those, to me, speak about Animal Crossing: the fact that you can visit visit other people's islands, and the fact that over over as time progresses, the the game world changes. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't think of two more contrasting games in the whole of gaming at all. Yeah. But I get where you're coming from. I, yeah, I like the, I like the I see there. the ties. That's the last time a knight came into Animal Crossing and knifed me. So. <laughs> Few and far between. <laughs> yeah, but so what happens when you visit someone else's um, game? You put down a stone, and somebody can come and choose to come into your world. Or there's another kind of stone that allows you to force your way into somebody else's world. And in either case, which can be done against you, you of course, sh- as well. Which can be done against you, obviously. It's you are open to invasion. And as a rule, when people come into your world, they want to do it to help you. And when they force their way in, they're coming to give you a bad day mean which uh, is never fun yeah well they can they can attack you too it's it's there is no it, there is no assumed courtesy once they force their way into your world they tend to be there to um come and either steal from your world or kill you for experience and your souls so they take your so, souls um, if they kill you then that's the I think so. I, they, they do, yeah. <laughs> I've never done it. It's been done to me. I've never done it. I don't know if they walked out with my souls. And you, Alex, you were talking earlier about how you get to a particular moment in the game, it's difficult, and you'll summon a bunch of friends to, to sort of take in with you to those difficult moments. Maybe friends was a strong word to <laughs> use. I realised I'd said it at the time. Yeah. Um, certainly people to help. And it, it seems to be that people will pretty much, like higher level people, go and they hang out near bosses. And you'll see all these spirits mm. hanging around. Looking cool. And then you put down the stone. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. And you put down this stone and you hope that one of the higher level people takes the takes the, the message and comes into your world to help out. Um, the first boss, was this, the first big boss I came across was the Tower Knight. And you walk in and you, you come up to maybe his ankle. 
Really? And I was like, this is not going to go well the first time I was in there. So I ran around for a while and died horrifically. And then I threw out all the stones I had, which I think was three at the time, went in with a little army of three people. And I hid in the corner while they dealt with him for me. And then when he was dead, <laughs> nice. they, they, they all ranked by me and I got the experience from killing him. Yeah, I like that. It seems, it seems quite a nice sort of fluid way to, to handle it. And then what about how the, the world itself changes with these world tendencies and character tendencies? I know it's complex, but how does that actually affect the game? It's, it's, in some ways, it's like really simple. And if you take the example of what Atlas do on their servers, it sort of gives you a good sort of idea of, of how it affects the game. So there's, I'm, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's sort of a dark tendency and a light tendency, or a black tendency and a white tendency. And if if the world changes to you know dark or black, then everything gets much harder. So you know the the enemies uh, get harder to kill. Um, and if they if it turns to white. They get obviously a, a lot easier to kill, and and but there are payoffs for that. Yeah, it's the weird part because you get better, uh, you get better items and things in a black world than you do in a white world. So it's not as 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 simple as you know. Black just, and white uh, is that? Yeah. You know, there are loads of things like you know you can kill kill some of the people who are in this hub world. Like I said, these characters there, and that will make the world darker, which is this weird nuance which I I wouldn't have even have thought of without seeing it in the guide. So is it is uh, over time in the real world, there'll be periods when the world's in a in a dark period, the game world, or when the game world's in a light period. Is that how it works? No, yeah, they have a few. They, no, they, well, they have a few special events. Yeah, yeah, they Where had Halloween and Valentine's Day. So for someone like me, that I'd say I've just messed around really, rather than tried to really make much progress in the world. But I really sort of enjoyed the white tendency things because not only does it make some of the people easier to kill it opens doors that mm -hmm. weren't open other times and if you use those doors I'm sure they stay open then regardless of, of you know what tendency the world is so you can end up seeing parts of the world that you wouldn't have done yeah, it's quite, so it's quite a clever way to handle difficulty um, and also give you a bit more variety as, as you're playing Go it on. might be a cleverer way to handle difficulty if Dying didn't make the world blacker. Right. <laughs> it's this yeah. strange. So it, tends, it does tends kind of play into your skill. It? It's not like you're making choices a lot of the time. It plays into how good you are at the game as well, which can makes it a bit more tricky to effectively influence. Well, this this is the thing because if you if you're dying, the game is getting harder. So the game's getting harder, and you're dying more, and you're dying more, and the game's getting harder, and it's this horrible vicious cycle where eventually, uh, if you if you've screwed up enough, the game will be incredibly difficult. And you won't get past, and that's what happened to me in my first go. After an hour, I went right, reset, done, <laughs> start again, uh, and and uh, read in the book about the tendencies and taught myself and realised, okay, that's that's not going to happen again. Um, it... And I've heard a bunch of people have you know got ten, fifteen hours in the game and just had to stop because the, their worlds are just too dark. Yeah. Is there a difficulty setting, or is it just just play it? <laughs> No. <laughs> it's just hard. <laughs> yeah. it, it, I just couldn't imagine a difficulty setting in Demon Souls. It would be hard, very hard, very, very hard. <laughs> Unplayable. We need to sort of wrap up, I think, quite soon, time-wise. Is there anything that you guys want to sort of touch on? I could read it. Uh, just a quick note from the the world ten the guide on world tendencies, which I think is kind of um, endemic of the, the entire game. It speaks to the whole game. Like To maintain a white tendency after defeating a boss, kill yourself in the nexus like committing suicide is a fair game play yeah. <laughs> conceit in this game but then, and it's how much you're prepared to put up with that kind yeah, of but the message seems to be front to your 
that alongside that difficulty and the sort of the hard-headedness of the game a lot of us have come out loving it as a sort of a hard master that you know once we've sort of wrestled with him and maybe um finally beaten it or even not um there seems to be both respect and sort of admiration of this game it's fascinating as, as like looking at these reviews that different people have written um that seems to come out throughout them that there's a strange respect of the game i got this game this year uh, because it only came out in europe this year so and and i i'd say it's 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 my favorite game of of this year so far mm. to think that it came out in japan and i think only 100,000 copies sold over there and the only way it came over to america really and to europe is because of word of mouth people you know talking about it and saying you know this is a really good game you should try it and and critics and ping and this is this weird thing that we've got now in in with you know this online uh gaming community that's kind of built up over the last few years that, that a game like Demon Souls can become successful through word of mouth and I, the only reason I've played it is because of all that word of mouth and uh, yeah, by, I mean, by some way we've sort of becoming part of that aren't we and perpetuating it so but uh, there's a there's a time limit to all this isn't there now because the the, the, the Atlas servers um, that the game uses oh, that's are, just for America is it just America <laughs> I'm gonna st- yeah just, just for America at the moment Atlas published it in America and it's looking like the end of March will be the cut off time on that one I don't know if the Asian servers are still open but the European one should be maintained for a bit longer I've got the American copy of the game does that mean I'm using their servers or it does it- yeah you go to the wherever you bought your copy of the game so I th- is it Namco in Europe I don't know yeah Namco Bandai yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you've probably got a bit more money behind you than Atlas. Yeah. Because this is part of Atlas's cost cutting measures. Yeah. So. (laughs) Which is a whole other story. Maybe you guys are a bit safer. (laughs) So I need to wrap things up now. We're out of time. I think we could have talked for another hour or so. Um, But uh, yeah, like I say, we're out of time. So it just remains for me to say if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can at game underscore people. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash game people. And of course, come and read our reviews on our website at www.gamepeople.co.uk. And we shall be back in a couple of weeks. Bye bye.